So when I was in seminary uh, 15, 26, uh, 17, 18 years ago now, uh, there was uh, a guy who started a year after me, and he was a joker. He was absolutely hilarious. He was, he, he was great fun to have around the place. Um, he had this little habit of trying to make people laugh during Mass, which would never happen here, of course. Nobody would ever do that here. But um, he, try, he tried to make people laugh. So one, one of the things he'd do is, you know, he'd, be kind of, he'd fold his arms like this and poke the fellow beside him. I mean, it's really childish. I mean, we were all, what, 21, 2, 3? We were all around that age. like. But Because um, he, he was able to, to stay deadpan serious while you know, poking someone else and provoking someone else, you know what I mean? And the other person would start laughing, and he'd look at them and go... <laughs> it was, he was just really, really, he was really, really, he was hilarious, an absolutely hilarious guy. Um, it's kind of, it's similar to what we hear in our, in our reading today, right? Uh, just obviously this is much more sinister. Uh, the godless say to themselves, let us lie in wait for the virtuous man since he annoys us. He opposes our way of life. He reproaches us for our breaches of the law and accuses us of playing false to our up- upbringing. Let us see if what he says is true. Let us observe what kind of an end he will have. If the virtuous man is God's son, God will rescue him. God will take care of him. Let us test him with cruelty and torture. It's an interesting kind of a a thing. You do see this in real life. We do see this in real life. If someone uh, has a position of, of moral authority, be that parents or politicians or public figures in general, priests included, uh, people will often kind of test and poke to see if they really hold the standard they're supposed to hold you know and in in a way it's it's not entirely wrong obviously this this is torturous this is wrong um the 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 reading here goes too far but people in authority should they should hold a certain moral standard you know if if we were to discover that our local politicians went to the doll drunk you know we would be rightfully shocked and scandalized and so on you know because they're supposed to hold a standard so the, the sinister part here, though, is that uh, these, these people, they don't necessarily say that the virtuous are wrong, but they oppose our way of life. They make us feel bad, right? What they say makes us feel bad. It's not that what they say is necessarily wrong, but it makes us feel bad. Okay, and this is exactly what we see in the world today, where... Because uh, the general principle of, 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 by which we live our lives is to be happy and to be comfortable, anything that makes us feel uncomfortable is, is wrong, including putting an effort into to attaining anything good, including living a moral life, which is also you know, uncomfortable at times. It can be uncomfortable to live a moral life. Much, much easier to just give, give way to all of your passions and pleasures and all that. Uh, but the, the, the reaction here is... Not so much let us kind of argue our way out of this or let us debate with these people, but their, their way of life makes us feel uncomfortable, right? It opposes their way of life, their virtuous way of life, opposes our way of life. So let us see if what they say is true and they expose them to various tortures. Um, I was thinking of a, of a story. There was a, a, a village in northern Africa called Abitine, Right, Abitine, this is during the, it's about the year 304, uh, so under the, the rule of the Emperor Diocletian, right, very, very sinister character there who did not like Christians at all. So in the year before, in the year 303, uh, he wrote uh, an edict 
commanding that all church buildings, so all churches, and the scriptures should be destroyed. Now, this is the year 303. So Jesus died in, in 33-ish. The church is still relatively young, but we have, what, four, five generations, six generations of Christians uh, under persecution at this point. So quite, quite some time, three, well, two and a half centuries of persecution of the church at this point. So difficult times, difficult times. And now he orders the scriptures. And remember, they couldn't just, you couldn't just run the Bible off on a printing press, right? Copies of the scriptures were handwritten. So there weren't many of them. And they were, they were like, they were absolute treasures because they were so, so rare. So he ordered the scriptures be burned and all church property be, 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 be destroyed. So any, any churches uh, be destroyed. So in this village in, in, in Abitina, uh, northern Africa, uh, the faith there was, was very strong. The people there were, were fervent and they said, we, we must attend Mass. It was, this was entirely illegal. We must attend Mass, they said. So there was a, you know, a faithful man there named Emeritus and he would host the uh, masses in his house. But it became a kind of a regular occurrence. So the Roman authorities came to know about it. Right? This man, Emeritus, is hold, hosting masses. There, there, there are people coming here. So the soldiers surrounded it. People went to mass. And either during or after the ceremony, all of them were arrested, 49 of them. And they were brought to the local magistrate. And they were asked, Emeritus was asked the, the, the simple question, why did you do this? I mean, why did you disobey what our emperor has commanded? Why disobey him? Why risk everything you have? Why risk your life for this? And there's a, the famous answer from, from Emeritus is, sine dominique non possum, possumus, non possumus, which means without the Sunday, so without the Sunday celebration of Holy Mass, non possumus, we can't even live. We can't even be, so we can't, we can't survive, in English maybe. Without the celebration of Mass, we can't even live. Now, when I heard that, like, I think it, it, it reminded me of two things. One, what is our understanding of the Eucharist? What is our understanding of Holy Communion? You know, just a kind of an optional extra, a bit of a bonus? Or, or something actually essential, something, something central, something like our greatest treasure. And secondly, how, how do we see Sunday, not just the Eucharist like this, but, but the celebration of Mass, the Lord's Day. You know, without the Sunday, without the Sunday celebrations, we can't even live. It's, it's a profound statement from, from the early fourth century, which I think is still completely relevant to us today. Our way of doing things as, as, as Catholics is it's different. It's different to the rest of the world. It's different to those who don't practice. I'm not saying we're better, but our way is different. Because, because we follow the Lord, what we do is different. But we're doing so because, because we love the Lord. Because we believe that following his will, following his way, makes us happier. That it creates a better family, a better society, a better country. It, it, this does work. What the Lord asks us to do works. And this may bring us difficulty along the way because not everyone will agree with us but the, the celebration of Holy Mass the reception of the Eucharist this is so important to us this is central to us without the Sunday celebrations we can't even live so we ask the good Lord today to renew our love for him 
to renew our love for the Eucharist, to renew our love for Mass. And if and when it happens that there are those who don't necessarily agree with us or don't maybe like us because of our stance on certain things, that with all calm and with all love, we continue to, to love them, pray for them, with all the virtue that we can muster to still remain fervent and faithful to the Lord's teaching. And that one by one and little by little, we might build up the Lord's kingdom. Amen. Amen. <clears throat>